So the reading is from Exodus 19, verses 16 to chapter 20, verses 21. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings, and a thick cloud on the mountain, and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke, because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of the kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, Go down and come up bringing Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to the thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, but the seventh... uh, On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is, in, who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honour your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. You shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbour's. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning, and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, 
that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. This is the word of God. Thank you, Father, that you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. We pray, Father, as we reflect on your character this evening, that you would give us a better understanding of who you are and how we're to relate to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we are, we're at the Ten Commandments, at the most famous rules there are. And um, really, this is the high point in Exodus. Over the past few weeks, we've seen um, some pretty low points, haven't we? Uh, Remember, we started off with this diagram uh, here. uh, And um, right at the beginning, we saw that uh, it was pretty grim, wasn't it? They were in slavery. Um, But then we saw God appear in the prickly bush, which was on fire. And um, things got a little bit better. Because God said he was going to save his people. So we go up a little bit more. And then uh, there was the plagues against Egypt, which wasn't great for Egypt, but it was really good for... Is- oh, I've got a splinter. Wow. Um, good. Oh, that really hurt. Um, good for uh, Israel because uh, they were being oppressed by the Egyptians. Uh, so things got a bit better, this diagram. There we are. You can imagine that. And then we saw the Passover. Uh, where God uh, saved his people uh, through the death of a lamb. Uh, And that was great. And then last week we saw uh, the sea, oh goodness, (laughs) sort of divide. And I'm told that this is is a kind of moving object. So what do I do? Look at that, everyone. Thank you, Fiona, for that. Perfect. So the sea's divided, and the people are safe through it. And then, I think we've got some bread, but I can't see any bread. So things are pretty good by the time we get to our passage. And this passage tops it all, because God meets his people, and he gives his commandments. But I'm guessing, if you're anything like me, you might think to yourself, that doesn't sound like the climax of this whole story. It doesn't sound like great news. Uh, Giving rules doesn't sound uh, very exciting. I mean, who likes rules? We don't like laws. We don't like people telling us what to do, do we? I mean, if we don't, um, we're in good company. And this lady certainly doesn't like being told what to do. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break the rules. No, I know. There we go. We don't need it again. <laughs> My kids have played enough of that to last a lifetime. But do you see, did you hear what she said? To test the limits and break through, no right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. See, when we hear rules, we think that it's the opposite of freedom, don't we? And actually, to be free, we think that it's about casting off the rules, going how we want. And that's the way we find true freedom. But actually, in tonight's passage, we see something very different, because here we see what it means to be truly free, 
to truly know God and to be in a relationship with Him. And we're going to see three things. We're going to see, first of all, that the rules here, the commandments follow a relationship. Secondly, the rules, the commandments follow, uh, reflect love. And then third and finally, we see that the rules alone are not enough. See, first of all, the rules um, follow relationship. What do I mean by that? Well, I think a lot of us get a, a big misunderstanding about the Christian life. I had this misunderstanding for a good two years before I was a Christian, because I assumed that being a Christian was about keeping the commandments. And if I kept the commandments, then God would be happy with me. And if I didn't keep the commandments, which was more often than not, well, then he would be unhappy. We kind of see it a bit like a checklist, that if we keep, you know, five out of ten of the commandments, we're okay. If we start breaking the commandments, then God won't love us. But actually, that's not how the commandments read here. Um, Have a look at chapter 19, uh, verse 4. Just before God says, you need to obey my voice, he says this, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. See, God is saying, look, I've already saved you. I brought you on eagles' wings. It's kind of like an ancient um, kind of aeroplane. It's Sorry, it's not a very good example, but, you know, God is a picture of care, isn't it? Of bringing his people uh, to Sinai. And even the Ten Commandments themselves speak about what God has already done. Um, We think of the commandments as Ten Commandments, uh, but actually there's a zeroth commandment, if that's a word, come and correct me later. Uh, Just before the first commandment, we read this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Then he goes on, you shall have no other gods before me. So here's the point. God has already saved his people. It's not keep these commands and then I'll save you. It's not do these rules and then I'll get rid of Egypt for you. It's God steps in. He lifts his people out of Egypt on eagle's wings. And then he says, this is how you're to live. Now, it's really important we get this because it is possible to be in church for many years, go through the youth groups, go through uh, all the Sunday uh, school, go through lots of things. I did it myself. And just to not get this, to think that actually we become Christians based on what we do, based on our ability to keep God's laws. And the trouble is, if we, get, if we think like that, we won't understand why Jesus is such good news. See, actually, we're like Israel in Egypt. We're in slavery. We can't do anything. And we need God to step in. But having done that, God now says, this is what you're to do. This is how you're to obey my voice. It's a bit like my children. Um, I give my children some rules, like um, they should tidy their room, uh, they should eat their vegetables, uh, they shouldn't burn down the house, that type of thing. Pretty restrictive stuff. Uh, the reason I give those rules is not so they become my children. I mean, they've always been my children as long as they've been alive. I give them the things to do because I love them and because I want them to grow up not burning down houses. And it's similar here. God already has set his heart on his people and now gives these things to do. And in fact, it's the same for Christians. Here's um, what uh, a New Testament letter says. This is love, 
not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a atoning sacrifice for our sins. So here's the point. These rules, these commandments, it's important we read them rightly. They follow the relationship God has already made with His people. But perhaps they still don't sound very exciting. Uh, They don't sound very attractive. I mean, why are we kind of at the high point in Exodus? Well, secondly, we see here that these rules reflect love and relationship. Now, again, we don't tend to think of uh, rules when we think of relationships, do we? We think relationships are free and easy. You don't need uh, confining by any rules or regulations. But is that actually true? See, some of the most important relationships actually do have a lot of rules. See, I'm, uh, I'm married, and um, I, uh, when I got married, I stood at the front of a church, and we made promises to one another. And perhaps some of you have seen marriage ceremonies take place. And when you do, you hear the couple say to one another, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse. And no one ever thinks, well, they're spoiling the love they've got for one another. They're making all these rules. Rather, we see them demonstrate their love, don't we? As they make these vows to one another. And God here wants his people to show their love to him. Not to earn his favor, but because they love him. See, um, I'm told that Joe cannot stand vegetables nor fruit. And in fact, it's more than that, isn't it? You've, you never eat, you pretty much don't eat vegetables, and you never certainly eat fruit. Is that true? Uh, yeah, roughly. I think I'm told you just eat chocolate, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine me knowing that. I've got to know Joe quite well this year. He works with me. I've got to know um, Joe. In, imagine me learning that, then doing this. So Joe, I've got you a little present. And um, just for social distancing and things, I'll pop it down here. And if you could grab it and just... Just leave leave it there, yeah, that's fine. No, 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 that's fine. You can take it. It's all sanitised, I think. (laughs) Went through the dishwasher. I mean, if you want it back, you can have it. No, if you want to grab it. (laughs) You're not allergic, are you? Let me just... (laughs) (laughs) Great. Do you want to just describe what's in there? Yes, um seems to be an apple that has fallen from the tree some time ago. Um, <laughs> we've it was got cheap. A raw carrot, yep. uh, a, a, a sort of, I think it was a frozen broccoli, but is now melted. And uh, <laughs> we've got a, 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 mush, a mushroom. Is a mushroom a vegetable? I'm not sure it is. Um, how do you fancy eating some of that? I've got it for you. Well, I mean, uh, the broccoli, the carrot... Yeah, I could do that. The mushroom I could probably do, although I'd rather cook it. The apple is a definite no for me. Can you eat the apple? Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. I won't put you through any more pain. He really doesn't like fruit. It's really weird, isn't it? Um, But you see the point, don't you? If I care for Joe, I wouldn't have just done that. Um, I did stop at forcing him feeding in the apple, although I'm very tempted. Um, (laughs) uh, And it's similar here. See, all through Exodus, God has shown what he's like. Remember, this book is about him making himself known. And now we see that God wants to be treated rightly. Uh, Again, not because that makes us friends with him, but because we care about him and because we love him. 
See, how do we do that? Well, look at the Ten Commandments. They're in chapter 20. You'll see that the first four are all about God and what He's like. So, you shall have no other gods before me. See, God's the only God. We're to only have Him. We're not to make Him into a carved image. We'll come back to that in future weeks. We're not to take His name in vain. Remember, we saw God's name meant His reputation. And here we're told not to speak lightly of Him. And the, the six commandments, uh, six to, uh, five to ten, are all about how we treat others. So honoring our parents, not disrespecting them, um, not murdering, uh, not committing adultery, not stealing, not coveting, not kind of trawling social media, envying everyone else. See, God cares about these things. And he says that if we're to love him, well, then we're to keep his commandments. And in fact, that is, again, what we see uh, Jesus say. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So there is a kind of view out there that um, it doesn't kind of matter what you do as a Christian. The important thing is that you believe in Jesus. And of course, that is true. We've spent every week talking about how belief in Jesus is the way we begin a relationship with God. But it's not that we just believe in Jesus and then just carry on with our lives. Actually, to believe in Jesus, to love him, well, is to do as he says, to keep his commands. Now, imagine there's all sorts of questions about how that applies uh, today, and uh, we're going to come back to those next week. I'm going to kick the can down the road and do it next week. But thirdly, I want to finish uh, by seeing that actually we need something greater than just a set of rules. See, this is a wonderful moment But the people here just don't seem to see it as a wonderful moment. See, look at their response in chapter 20, verse 19. Here's what they say. You speak to us, uh, speaking to Moses, and we will listen. Do not let God speak to us, lest we die. And verse 21, the people stood far off. See, God speaks to them. He meets them. This is the real high point. But they're terrified. Why are they terrified? Well, uh, in chapter 19, we read what this um, whole event, uh, what happens at this event. Just imagine this in your head as I read it to us. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln. The whole mountain trembled greatly. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses and God answered him in thunder. Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. See, this whole mountain is on fire. You know, um, kind of really stormy nights. It's pretty terrifying, isn't it? Uh, Especially if you're on top of a mountain or near a mountain. And there's this trumpet sound that gets louder and louder. Now, when we hear trumpets, we think of them a bit like this. Or something like that. But actually, this trumpet is not like that, I'm pretty sure. It's more like this. Yeah, so you can see why the people are pretty terrified, can't you? See, God comes to meet them in his holiness, 
but actually they're quaking in their shoes. Uh, Why is that? Because God um, has met them. He's brought them into a relationship with him. But there's a sense, isn't there, that actually they're not holy. They're not like God. See, as we hear these commandments, we can't just kind of sit there and think, well, I've done all those. Actually, it holds up a mirror to us, and it reveals that actually we fail to do that. And the people here know that. And when they come into God's presence, it's absolutely terrifying for them. But there's something else that happens here, because Moses comes into play. Um, I don't know if you um, notice in the reading, but Moses goes up and down several times. And here, look, I mean, just check this out. It's unbelievable. Here's the mountain. Here's Moses. Can everyone see that? And here, see, Moses goes up in 19 verse 3. Look at that. Goes down, 19 verse 7. (laughs) Goes up, 19 verse 8. You've got all these references. 19 verse uh, 14, he goes down. 19 verse 20, he goes up. 19 verse 25, he goes down. This is an 80-year-old guy. This is not good for the knees. Um, Why is he doing that? Well, he's going in between the people and God. See, the people are terrified. They don't feel holy. They know they're not holy. And so they cry out to Moses to speak to them, to go in between. And actually, what Moses is doing here is pointing us to another in-between person, a greater Moses, Jesus himself. See, Jesus goes up the mountain, not like Moses at Mount Sinai, but he goes up to the mountain outside Jerusalem. And there, Moses, uh, there Jesus encounters a cloud like the one we read in Sinai. But Moses, he stands by it. Jesus goes under it as he faces the anger of God. And the crazy thing is, Jesus didn't need to do that. He was holy. Every single commandment he kept But the thing is, he chose to do it. He chose to die so that we can come into God's presence. See, the moment we believe in Jesus, we are considered holy, not because of anything we do, but because Jesus has gone up the mountain for us. He's gone into God's presence, and he makes us holy. See, you can start to see, can't you, actually why these rules or commandments are actually some of the best bits of the Bible. Because here we see why Jesus had to come and what Jesus does for us. See, rules aren't boring. and We're not like Elsa thinking that we're truly free by getting rid of them. See, they are the way that follows a relationship. They show us how we're to love God. But most of all, they show us why Jesus needs to come. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, so much uh, for meeting your people. And we know that, Father, that that's a difficult truth when we see the the terror uh, of the people. But we thank you for the work of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, that he has gone up to the mountain to die, to rise, so that we may come into your presence without fear. And we ask you give us greater understanding of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, so I've been keeping an eye on the pigeonhole uh, chat, and there's been a lot of questions, which is great. Um, we're going to go through them roughly in order of how many votes they've got, and we'll just see uh, how many we get through uh, during the time. So, 
Let's go. Right. Um, so, is the Sabbath one of the commandments we still need to follow? Uh, I've only got eight minutes to do all the questions, <laughs> so how am I going to do that? Um, just say, I'm going to say a little bit more about this next week when we look at all the laws. Um, the big question we need to ask with all these commands is how are they fulfilled in Jesus? So imagine like a kind of, um, what do you call it, like a bow tie. Um, stay with me on this. That kind of is shaped like that, isn't it? And then goes out again. You, got, you get me? You get me? Um, so uh, the laws kind of find their focus on Jesus, but in Jesus they kind of come back out to us. So we don't just draw straight lines across. We need to think how they're fulfilled in Jesus. And I think the Sabbath... And lots of Christians disagree on this, so this is just one view. But I, I think the Sabbath is, is pointing us to um, the rest we find in Jesus. And there are probably lots of questions. And I think it's, we're to do it in the sense that we look back to Jesus and what he's accomplished. And probably once a week is a good time to do that. Okay. Um, there was another question, which is similar in some ways, um, asking about... Um, the why do we follow these commandments still and not sort of the ceremonial laws is yeah. that kind of is yeah that so we're going to it's going to be come back next week we're going to do all that okay and then That's i great. can think of the answer <laughs> good good stuff um so in the passage we see that uh the people's instinct is to stay a long way away from god uh, is that a right or a wrong response um Yes, because instinctively you can see why they're doing it, but it's kind of, it kind of is, it kind of isn't. So um, in 20 verse 20, uh, Moses says to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you. And he doesn't mean that he's kind of setting an exam for them. He means that he's kind of, he wants them to, to, to kind of get a sense of who he is. Um, that the fear of him may be before you and that you may not sin. So Moses is saying, look, actually your response to all the kind of thunder and lightning isn't, isn't quite right. Actually, that's, you are God's people, and you need to be reassured of that. But remember who you're in relationship with. Uh, you're in relationship with a God, and that's very different to a relationship with anyone else. Um, so, yeah, I don't think Moses kind of beats them up, but I think he is pointing them to say, actually, um, even though God is big and he is terrifying when he comes on Mount Sinai, actually, you, you are in relationship with him. And ultimately, in Jesus, we really do see that, that we don't diminish God and how big he is. Uh, we recognize he still is the same God and terrifying if we meet him uh, without our sin being dealt with. But actually, wonderfully, in Jesus, we can call him a father. That's great. Thanks, Rob. Um, some slightly quicker fire ones now. So um, how did God speak through the thunder? So maybe, uh, it's, maybe it's not a quick fire one. <laughs> yeah, I think they heard his voice. Um, so that's what they seem to say to Moses. So chapter 20, verse 1, all we get is God spoke all these words. And then uh, in um, chapter 20, verse 19, uh, they said, do not let God speak to us. So I don't think I can say much more than that, other than they heard a voice. And God on occasions, and you'll remember one other one is when Jesus is baptized, they hear his voice. Uh, God on occasions when something really important happens he does speak audibly okay. like that. That's great. Um, and then why does God ask Aaron to go up the mountain with Moses? Yeah, that's a fascinating little detail. Um, yeah, so Moses goes up and down, but actually um, I should have got a little Aaron magnetic thing and put him on with Moses. Um, 
Oh, I'd love to say more on this. So basically, the, the mountain is kind of like um, a preview for the temple. Now, if this goes, sends your brain off or mine, don't worry. Uh, but basically, it's kind of cut into three segments. Um, you may know that the temple's got the Holy of Holies, uh, the um, uh, inner sanctuary, and then the kind of outside bit. And the mountain's a bit like that. And I think what, what we're seeing here is Aaron, who's the very first kind of priest in this new arrangement, He's going up with Moses to show us that actually a priest can go in the most holy place. Um, But that's very limited once a year uh, with all sorts of sacrifices. And actually, Aaron's pointing to Jesus who goes right into the holy place and brings us in with him. That's great, thanks. Um, And now some about the commandments themselves. So are, are the commandments in order of seriousness? Do they get more seriousness as they go on or less seriousness as they go on? Um... I don't think that's the best way to see them, um, although um, there's a guy who lived about 500 years ago called Martin Luther, and he said, actually, you can't break any of the commandments without breaking the first one to have another God before you. So um, probably that is the most significant one, not because he said it, but I think it might support that. Um, but then again, number 10, coveting, um, is actually, it comes up in the New Testament a lot because it's really important, because we can sit here and we think, oh, we haven't murdered anyone, we've not committed adultery, but coveting is actually something that's right in our hearts, and it's something our whole society is built on, and um, gets very kind of personal when we think about that. So, yeah, probably not quite, you know, there's probably a little bit there, but not not the best way of thinking of it. Okay. Um, And then, what is the heart attitude behind the commandments, and what is God's purpose in giving these commandments to the people? Yeah, so interestingly, when you look at these commandments, they're not um, kind of just quick-fire rules. They're actually, um, some of the language comes from um, Genesis and Eden. So um, when God says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, he says anything that's in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water that's under the earth. And when he talks about the Sabbath, he says, for in six days God uh, made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and he rested on the seventh day. So, um, uh, going back to our bow tie, it's a bit like, um, don't forget the bow tie, but um, if you've got kind of Eden over here, the creation, and then it all goes wrong in the fall, um, where Adam and Eve turned their back on God, actually here we see it kind of brought back again in these laws. Now, we've got more of the story to come. These laws aren't enough, as I, as I hinted at. Uh, but God is kind of making his people into what they should have been uh, right at the beginning of creation. Um, so God doesn't kind of give random laws. He gives us laws so that we can be free in the sense that we can become truly human. Now, a lot of us have a problem with that because we think um, laws is the opposite of freedom. But it's a bit like the fish. A fish might think to themselves, well, they're free if they jump out the tank because they've got no restraints. But actually, they're not free, uh, because a fish, I'm told, out of water will die. Um, And it's a bit like that for us. We are created to know God, to love him, and we're created not on our own. Uh, We're created amongst other people, and the pandemic's reminded us of that. And actually, these things point us towards that as we love God, love one another. 
That's great. Um, so we're out of time for questions, but um, Thank you I for know the questions. We're, we're continuing on this theme over the next coming weeks. Yeah, so yeah. you might be able to pick up on some of the remaining ones yeah, uh, great. next time. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.